Hello everyone, I am Faiza Rizwi. With me today is Alison Anderson Book, Vice President of Energy Transition at Baker Hughes. We're currently at Heart Energy's Energy ESG Conference in Houston. Allison is being recognized as the Energy ESG Champion Award as one of the uh, part of the Heart Energy's first ever Energy ESG Awards. Today, Allison is going to share more on the ESG movement in the energy sector, as well as more on the Baker Hughes approach to both ESG and the energy transition. First up, congratulations, Allison. The award is very well deserved. Um, I was hoping to get the conversation started by hearing more on what's the relationship between ESG and the energy transition. And can you tell us how does addressing ESG-related issues fit into the broader push for a low-carbon future? Well, I'm glad that you asked that. This is something that when I have conversations with, whether it's a classroom of people who are taking a class uh, for just to level up a little bit, or talking to execs or board level is right. is is sorting out the nomenclature. I know that sounds a little nerdy, but when you currently hear energy transition, ESG, and sustainability are three terms that come around, and people sort of use them interchangeably, right? right? And so, so I think of it in the following terms. First, you have this overarching topic of sustainability. What does it mean to be sustainable? It's it's sort of a state, okay? Companies today and anytime should be aspiring to work towards sustainability. Mm -hmm. Now, how we measure progress against that is, is the topic of ESG, right. okay? And so at Baker Hughes, we talk about people, planet, and principles. The, so, so ESG is how we measure our journey on the road to becoming sustainable, right? And then you have energy transition. Energy transition is really about our commitment as a society to get to net zero. And so by operating sustainably and measuring ourselves against the metrics of ES and G, we can show our progress towards getting to net zero, not just as a company, but as, as a global society. Right, excellent. Thank you, Allison. Um, now, if you talk specifically about Baker Hughes, Allison, can you tell us more about the company's approach to ESG and how has the company positioned itself to navigate the demands of the ESG-centered world? So how we're looking at it with Baker Hughes is it's actually a fairly core part of, of where we're headed in our commercial strategy, mm -hmm. in addition to us operationalizing sustainability and how we work. So, you know, think about it like this. Uh, you know, when I, I think about going and getting a haircut someplace uh, and I walk in and I meet the, the person who, the stylist for the first time, I actually look at, at how they present themselves. Like, can they cut their own hair well, or does someone have they have they gone the extra mile? In a way, our performance on being a sustainable company and meeting our net zero goals is is really core to us being able to resonate in front of our customers in a really similar manner. And so, so those two things are commercial strategy as well as our operational strategy converge in the space of being sustainable so that we get to, again, do our net zero goal by 2050. Right, thank you, Alison, very well answered. Now, Alison, the E and ESG is, of course, a major focus for companies, but um, another very important piece of the puzzle, if I may say, is governance. What's the importance of diversity when addressing governance issues, and what has a Baker Hughes strategy been to promote diversity within the organization? Tell us more about that. So you're asking, uh, actually a far more complex question, I think, than people would appreciate because you're on the governance side that hits diversity at the board level and at leadership levels. And so uh, in, within Baker Hughes, we've actually 
really looked pretty hard at how we govern ourselves. And so, so I'll tackle that one quickly. We built um, a structure around making sure that we have accountability checkpoints and layers. Mm -hmm. And so that as we build out uh, our roadmap and how we're progressing to becoming more sustainable, mm -hmm. we can actually show that we have checkpoints along the way. And that goes to, at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Uh, into our board, actually. So uh, we have a governance committee that also is our corporate responsibility committee. Right. So they're very committed to that. So that's the first part. And and how we look at diversity at a board level is is that we, we report on that. We talk about uh, our values that we bring uh, in terms of our corporate culture. But it doesn't stop at the board level. So now let's, the second part of the question is, like, how do we bring it to Baker Hughes in terms of our overall employee base, right? That's a bigger challenge, okay? Uh, I see today that companies have a challenge at the board level for sure, mm -hmm. but our sector is fairly heavily gender swung in one direction versus the other. And not only that, is, is the energy sector is very multicultural, and so we should see that reflected throughout companies like Baker Hughes. And so, so we, we tackle this from a lens of inclusion, and so I'll, I'll, I'll sort of end on, on the note of, if you build an inclusive culture for any one person, you can build it for all kinds of people, right? And so inclusion is, is how we treat people that, draw, that will, in the end, lead to more uh, diverse workplaces in terms of not just how we look and how we think about culturally who we are, but maybe also diverse in how we think. Right, very well said, Alison. Now, Baker Hughes, uh, Alison, has been a leader in the energy transition movement in comparison to its peers in the oil field services sector. What has Baker Hughes' approach been to the energy transition, and where would you say the company stands in terms of achieving its goals? So, you know, it's I think it's early days for society, generally. I, I pull it back to the big picture. The so where Baker Hughes sits is somewhere beyond the early days in our journey, and I think that's most companies today, and, and it's not sector specific. You can look at, um, with notable exceptions of some companies like Unilever and, and other real standouts, uh, everybody is sort of thinking about what does it mean to be sustainable and to get to net zero, and how do we get there? So let me, let me just say that the coupling of being sustainable is really gonna drive us towards our net zero goals. And it's not just us, it's for our customers yeah. and everything else. And so to that degree, as we've thought about how our corporate strategy for our customer lines up to how we're doing, uh, we're a little further down the road maybe than, than some other, um, other companies even in our sector. But we've got a long ways to go and this is a long game. Okay, it's a long game that's gonna last forever, actually. So once you get to net zero, you don't get to say, plant your flag and say, we won, we got there. You have to continually reassess how you operate and make sure that you're still being sustainable for that time and that place and not adding emissions back into your operational performance. Right, Alison, again, very well said. It's obviously constant evolution and, and, and it's a process. Lastly, um, really, Alison, my last question is, what opportunities do you see developing for the oil and gas industry as a result of the growing importance of ESG reporting and sustainability? What are some of the opportunities you see? Well, I think there there's gonna be an, I'll, I'll start with the obvious one. So sometimes when people talk about the topic of ESG, they add a they add a fourth thing on the back of it, and that's profits, right? right? <laughs> and so, it, and we don't we don't generally call that out, but 
when you think about companies being able to operate sustainably, you got to think about it with a lens on people and people drive progress and profits. And so if you line all of those things up at the same time that you're becoming sustainable and reducing your emissions, you can also be reducing cost, right? And maximizing the profit side of it. And so, so I think that there has been an inclination for folks to think, oh, this is another initiative. And I'm saying generally that we're back at society, not Baker Hughes here, the, that this is gonna cost money, it's gonna be too hard to do this, let's hold off, let's see what happens outside in the world with governments and regulators. But the long and short of it is, why wait? You save money if you're operating more sustainably, you have less turnover with your people, mm -hmm. you, can, um, you also have better trained workforce, upskilled workforce, they're a little bit more uh, fluid, and people are your progress, right? And so if we can really invest in that space, we can drive profits and progress towards both sustainability and net zero. Right, Allison, I like how you said people are your progress, very well said. Um, well, Allison, really that brings us to the end of our discussion. Thank you once again for joining us and congratulations on the honor very well deserved. Thank you, Thank Allison. you, thank you very much. For more hard energy videos, follow our social media channels.